but that's also about doing this together every day. And part of that is that every morning, every day, we're all reading the same thing. Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday, we're all reading the same things together. And it kind of shapes us, it shapes our conversations. Because um, this series is called Invited. And as Aaron mentioned last week, this is all about everyone is invited to God's table. Now, if you didn't make it last week, um, especially if you were the first day here, you wouldn't have. But even if you didn't make it last week, I'd encourage you to come again first Sunday of the month. We met at the Mercure uh, Hotel over on the A41. And as you know, that is a hotel that we have got a ministry in serving Afghan evacuees, nearly 300 of them in there. And we've become deeply, deeply involved with what they're doing. Um, but it was just so appropriate to kick off that series as a church in the middle of a completely different type of people. A Muslim community welcoming us in to have our church meeting inside where they basically live. It's an incredible thing to do. And I think lots of us thought, oh, nice room, nice lighting, that's nice. Forgetting where we were. We were sitting in the heart of a community that was from another country, that have gone through unbelievable situations and circumstances. And I want to come back to that later on, because if I start now, all I'll do is talk about that. So let me just move on. But I want to come back to that a little later on, because I think it's worth just preparing yourself as we, and me too, as we go into this series, um, uh, that as it develops, it's going to ask us to reach out into people groups that we've not reached out to before. It's going to ask us to challenge where we're comfortable and where we tend to find our clique and our group and sort of work within that and say, let's step out of that. Whoop, I'm being told to move over. I can't see my notes now, maybe. Um, Sorry, it's for the, it's for the camera. Um, and also invite people into our homes that we don't necessarily would normally come across, people we wouldn't normally know. We want to start to do that, and there's a reason for that that I'll come to. But we need to get ready to cut across all the boundaries, because that's what Jesus did. That's what the gospel did. It cuts across every boundary that exists. Race, color, creed, gender, cuts across them all. Says all are one in Christ Jesus. So we need to get ready to do that because the gospel is screaming to be preached to all nations and all people. Screaming to be preached to all people and all nations. Everyone needs to hear it. Every single person on this planet needs to hear the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everyone needs to hear it. So who, where are they? Who are they? They're everywhere. And we're going to center this in the, in the book of Acts. And Acts is about that first 30 years of the the church, but it's also, those, a lot of it's the first two years of the church. As this good news spreads daily, everyday people, everyday ordinary people moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, spreading the good news across towns, then cities, then regions, and into nations. And I just want us to pause before we go into all of this and just consider the last thing Jesus says as he leaves this earth. You, you know the films when the kind of final line is, da -da 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 -da, and doom, end of film. That moment when it leaves you kind of go, the last thing that Jesus says, I mean, guys, it should be so critically important to us. And hopefully if we're, look, look at that, it's working. He says this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, 
a cloud took him out of their sight. Uh, at first, they just like, wow, like, come on, like, what a, what a moment of this is it. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go. Just as I go, this is what I'm saying to you. It's like the end scene of the movie for the trilogy. It's like that last cliffhangering moment of like, what does he say as he leaves? He says this moment. And I was thinking about this, and I'll, I'll don't go with me here. I'll come back to this. But it's, there's, there's an end scene. If you're in this church, by the way, part of the membership program is you have to watch The Matrix because I reference it in so many preaches. Uh, it's been around for years, but it's still, I think, a great film. Um, but as Neo goes, the character played by Keanu Reeves, the stiffest actor on the planet, um, but still good at Neo, says this as he leaves. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. And then this music starts, up he goes. And then there's this drum and bassy, jungly kind of music pounding at the end, and it's all atmospheric. And Neo actually flies up towards the camera, and you just see him swoop away at the very end. I don't know if you've watched the movie. If you haven't, I would encourage you. It's pretty much someone trying to sort of create a story that's wrapped around the gospel. And lots of people miss there's an ascension at the end. He literally says, I'm leaving it to you. And everyone goes, nice, cool ending. No, that's like, that's what Jesus was doing. He said, I'm leaving this to you to go and carry this on now. And up he goes. So yes, it's cheesy. But we need to kind of just move away from the Hollywood version because we've got to see we've got to picture this for real there's no soundtrack there's no deep jesus voice he's just speaking to straightforward plain people no music no nice color effects no sound just uh, he's saying to them i'm leaving you to go and spread the good news to every nation and he ascends. Now, the ascension would have been, I mean, we can't read it today. We don't want to go with it. But the point is, he said it to just some ordinary people. He didn't, there wasn't this dramatic wraparound thing. You're thinking, what's the next? That's it. He leaves it with these ordinary people, just like you and me, in a real place. And I'm sure those disciples, realizing Jesus has now ascended, and the scripture goes on and says, Someone, what, are you look and said, what are you looking for? He's gone. And they would have looked at each other and gone, okay. What, we, what, what happens now? I'm sure they were thinking, what, what's going to happen to the ends of the earth? How is that going to happen? Not doubting Jesus, just like, and then Acts starts to begin to answer the question. How is it going to happen? How is this going to reach the ends of the earth? It's going to go from person to person, from house to house, from town to town, from nation to nation, by one person telling another person, by people telling each other about the good news of Jesus Christ. Not by crusades or revival, sorry, or big events alone. Not by them alone, but by connecting people with people and sharing the good news. And we're going to meet one of those people today. We're going to meet Philip the Evangelist. And in, shortly we're going to read Acts 2:26 to 39, if you want to get there in your Bibles. Um, this is why the church is still young. We're going to meet Philip, not the disciple. 
He's one of the seven that were chosen to essentially wait tables, the first deacons as they were. People just saying, look, we as the disciples, the leaders of this church that's growing are too busy um, preaching the word and prayer that we need other people to just wait tables, serve food. And we're going to pick these guys. And they pick several guys, and you'll know the story of Stephen, hopefully, but they pick someone like this guy, Philip. So that we're, you need to deal with those things because we're dealing with these things over here that are major stuff we need to do. And for context of what we're just about to read, what you hear in Acts after that moment is there's a moment where, after the, the stoning of Stephen, which is, a, which is a story to read in its own right and be marveled by, but then it talks about Philip going to Samaria. Samaria would be a place no one wants to go, by the way. It's one of those kind of like, do you want to do something between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. in the morning? It's that kind of level of, not me. Okay, so, so that's Samaria. So he goes there and he starts to speak and crowds gather. Crowds gather around and people come to hear him and to see what he's doing through the spirit. And he's, a, he's already very quickly becoming really a megastar. So he's going to be the big stage guy quickly because crowds gather around him so he can do the mega stuff, the big stuff. And later on he gets named Philip the Evangelist. What a cool name. I'm called Philip the Evangelist. Like what a name. That's who he is. And then it shifts into a whole new way of witnessing that doesn't fit that pattern of becoming that megastar. So let's read, and it's a fair chunk of scripture, but I'm going to read it to us. Acts 8, sorry, I said that two before, didn't I? 8, sorry, 26 to 39. I do apologize for the wrong reference earlier. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candence, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I asked, does the prophet say this? about himself or someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and baptized him. Amazing. There's, there's loads going on here. This is like, you know, this is like a six-week preaching series, as I often say. Um, but why are we looking at this? Well, firstly, we've got to remember Philip was serving tables. We've got to remember that. Philip was someone chosen to serve tables. Not chosen because of his evangelistic gifting. Not chosen to do this. This, was like, this wasn't what Philip was chosen for. He was chosen to go and wait some tables. And now he's doing this. From big, and then you go from this big event moment in 
Samaria where he's like, hey, crowds come in to see what I do. And, it, and the inference from the scriptures, it's a growing, swelling crowd that keeps growing and growing because word's spreading. This guy's here and he's doing this stuff and he's preaching this, this message. We need to hear it and, and the crowds are going to grow. He goes from that to this just straightforward, single, personal um, witness to one person. It's like personal evangelism 101, and I want to come back to that a bit later. But secondly, look who he's talking to. Because this man is an Ethiopian official. This is not the Ethiopia we know today. This is Ethiopia. I think this would be Sudan now, but it doesn't really matter. He's still an official in the Queen's court. He's the, he's the treasurer, so he's handling the finances. The fact he's a eunuch draws a lot of attention. Let's just deal with that for a second. Um, because it's really just to highlight, he's a trusted member of the courts. Um, but it was common back then, if you were close to the royal family, if you were going to be in service to them, you would be castrated. Not a great first day on the job. Would you like to go and get your security pass? Pop my medical for a procedure, pick up your laptop. What's the procedure? Castration, off you go. It's like not, not the sort of thing that's going to pull you into the civil service. But, but others say, look, it may, may or may not have been, it may have just become a common term to describe someone devoted and part of the, the ones that are close to the royal family. But the point is, he's, he's high up, and I think we could picture the scene. It's probably that he was in an entourage. He says he's in a chariot, so there would have been a procession of... So this is a pretty high up person. And who's Philip? Of no consequence. A, a different person from a different culture. And he is told, go and approach this man. And what he does is really, he crosses several boundaries in this moment. And it takes some courage. And so we need to take courage. Because it's difficult for us to cross boundaries. Social, racial, status, economic, educational boundaries. It's difficult, but we need to be ready and bold and courageous to cross over boundaries. If this gospel will spread, otherwise it stays in bubbles. And we need it, need it to spread. So like I said, I think you can imagine, he's in this entourage. I'm just putting the scripture back up there. Yet the man invites him to sit with him. So this is a great example of like personal evangelism. Showing that the gospel needs to come across any kind of divide. And then it be personal and spoken to as well as in other settings when there's more people around. That challenges us straight away. Because whether we like it or not, me too, there are places and people I'm comfortable with. And there are places and people I'm uncomfortable with. And by default, I will go to the ones I'm comfortable with. I will end up there. Those bubbles grow. It can be based on age, background. You guys are LST because you're all together in education. That's your, that's your potential bubble. And we need to burst out of those to bring the good news. All of us need to break out of them to bring the good news. Because we don't want that echoing through our church. We're not exclusive. We're not unique. We're not a particular unique brand of Christianity that only appeals to a certain group. The gospel needs to bust us out of any of that. We are what we are, but we need to realize the gospel needs to reach everyone, wherever, wherever they come from, whatever their backgrounds. Because if we're not ready to invite a diverse group of people into our social circles or into our homes or ourselves, place ourselves amongst people that we're not naturally comfortable with, then we're just not following Philip's example. Go where God tells you to go, not where you're most comfortable to go. And I know I keep going on about it. I can't make any excuse, but 
Telling me to go and sit with a bunch of Afghan people a year ago was the most uncomfortable of moments because we have nothing in common. Their stories are horrific. Their background's completely different. We're just not the same. What am I going to talk about? What am I going to... Do you like football? I mean, what am I going to talk about? But God was at work. The relationships now are so deep. And I think back and I think, how did that start? And I cannot remember how somehow we started to become close. And I believe it's a work of God's. It's him saying, it doesn't matter whether that person is someone you're used to, know about. If I want you to speak to them, you will speak to them. And I'll make the relationship work. It doesn't mean go out and find the most, the most different person from you. No, but be ready to say that's challenging, but is God calling me into that? Like the guys who do Street Angels, like the guys who work for New Hope. None of us are choosing that's exactly where I want to be, but God calls you into something, and he's the one at work by his Holy Spirit. Amen? So be ready for those callings and say, I will respond. I will go wherever you send me, not just where I feel my most comfortable. We've had some awkward moments with the Afghans um, because um, we got invited to a wedding. A bunch of us went to a wedding. And just getting used to like being ready for like being challenged by some, but being amongst a group of people that's just very different from what you're comfortable with. But for the sake of the gospel being worth it, we were invited to a wedding. About six or seven of us were invited from this church to an Afghan wedding. Um, and uh, we were separated, male and female. So the first thing happens is men go around the corner there, women go through there. And like, Never been to a wedding ever when I was separated from Jane. This is immediately awkward because, you know, she's my comfort blanket, you know. <laughs> And she's the chatty one at first, and then I come in afterwards. With it. She always opens conversations, and then I get going. But that's who we are. We're kind of a, we're a team. We're a double act. And suddenly went, not, no, no. It literally, the woman went, not you, round there. <laughs> and they're like, okay, so me and Brian and, and Aaron, we walk around the other side into possibly the greyest room I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so that's not it. But it was like this. It was a little better than this. But basically, it was just a big room with some jugs of juice on the middle of a table and, and nothing else. But there was a wall running down the side of the room. And just for, for detail, there was a band at the end of the room. And I thought, that's interesting. Later on, they played really, really loud. And I'll explain why they played really, really loud later. Um, Afghan music. Anyway, comes to the end of the evening. And at that point, we are allowed to, and it, you know, it's five hours. Biggest mistake we made was we turned up on time. <laughs> no Afghans there. About an hour and a half later, some start to arrive. They say, oh, no, that's not the time you're supposed to come. I'm like, well, which is it? It's just the time that it sort of begins. I think, well, that's when you come, isn't it? It was a very weird moment. Anyway, so we're, we're sort of five hours. And, and I, I love Aaron and I love Brian, but I can't talk to either of them for five hours. <laughs> we haven't got enough between us. So about an hour and a half, we've done everything. We're like, oh, what are we going to talk about now? Anyway, comes to the end of the evening, and they say, right, you can now go round. If you go outside and go in the other way, you can go and pick up your wife. We go round walk through the door, it's like my dream wedding. <laughs> it's like glitter and sparkly things. There's I'm not kidding you, there's cameras on cranes <laughs> pointing down, like swooping, and to film it. And there's, there's th it wasn't this again, it's that kind of thing. We're thinking, oh, this is different. <laughs> this is really, really different. Five hours with Brian and Aaron talking about woodwork and football. And you've been in here in party town. And they're like, hey, and I'm like, no. <laughs> and we were allowed to walk up, take a photo, and we had to then leave. And it was just a moment of like, wow, this is so, so very, very different to see something like that in, 
our lives. Another example, by the way, just to give you another cracking example of cultural shift. We went for uh, lunch with an Afghan family that settled in Bristol. Lovely family. They're one of the original groups. And they settled in Bristol. And they invited us over, Jane and I, for, for, to come and visit them. Apart from the fact we said three hours and they thought it would be about eight. That's another story. It comes to lunch and Jane, like a normal human being, goes and takes her plate. And there's a pile of kabuli palau, which is their rice dish. Yeah, on a bit, it's like a pile in the middle. She takes a fairly decent ladle full and puts it on the side of her plate and starts to go for something else. Asadullah, the guy we were visiting, looks at her like she's gone mad. Goes, literally out there, he goes, what are you doing? He grabs her plate and piles on enough rice to feed a small family. It was so high. There was chalets on the left slope. It was this mountain <laughs> of rice. And he goes, there. And Jane's looking like, what? And, uh, and then he goes, now put your food on top. It was like huge. Because he was offended that she took such a small amount. Like, don't you like it? Yes, but man alive. And this is lunch. It was getting used to, but these are, little, these are kind of funny, but they're not as, well, they're just, um, this is just very different. I've got to get used to this. This is very different. So now I have to accept, I've got so many invites to go and visit Afghans. I cannot visit them for one hour, never would work, and don't eat for about a month before I go, because <laughs> it's going to be very, very different. And, and I'm not, it's not unpleasant, but it is awkward, because you feel a bit foolish, like, I really didn't realise, sorry, <laughs> you know, that, that was the way I'm supposed to do things. And it works both ways, though. You know, we can make people feel uncomfortable ourselves. And we have to look at what we're about and say, how do we make sure that the way in which we approach people, the way in which we speak, and I'll come into this soon, I'll come back to the scripture and talk about why I think this is really important for Christians. What do we need to do that, cross, that helps others cross the boundaries that we may create? There's quite a few things about being British that can confuse things. And I think the one that I think is the worst is that we say one thing and mean something completely different. English language, English the French think we're two-faced, by the way, because they said, you say one thing, you're just something completely different. <laughs> In that weird kind of semi-Welsh accent, whatever that was. <laughs> Examples to share before I get back. Here, oh, that was the Kabuli Palau, by the way. Uh, right. What Brits say versus what Brits mean. With all due respect. <laughs> if you've not heard this one before, this is the literal translation. You're totally wrong. I'm going to distract what you said and tell you what I think. And by the way, I'm 100% correct. <laughs> With all due respect is the least disrespectful thing to say in any conversation. You know what's coming? You're really going to offend me, aren't you? Yes, but I said with all due respect, so it's fine. <laughs> You're looking well, or I see marriage suits you. That means you put on weight. <laughs> uh, next one. May I suggest, which means do this or I will throw a massive strop. <laughs> and finally, that meal was nice which means that meal was at best below average, or average. <laughs> if anyone says to you, you oh, that's, that was really nice. You know, it's like, oh, was that bad? And everyone else is confused, but it is. It's not, a, it's not what it means in our thoughts. And we joke, but, but again, we've got to work through, okay, like there's things that we do that make things difficult for others. Let me take us back to scripture. This isn't a TED talk. Um, I'm going to talk about divine opportunities uh, and human intervention. And let's just never forget, we should be praying for God to give us these divine opportunities, amen, that, that we would get chances to share the good news with anyone and everyone that he directs us to, that he would lead us and that we would be ready, that there's no barrier for me sharing this. And if there is, Heavenly Father, take it away. If I'm shy, take that away. But if it's because of, well, I don't really know if we have a connection, you need to take that away. This is going to be difficult. Because of the, take that away, Lord, that we would bring the good news to everyone. Because 
all salvation stories are not random events. Mine isn't, yours isn't. God is sovereign over all. So looking again at the scripture, God prepared Philip to go and speak to that Ethiopian official. And the Ethiopian official is reading from the Old Testament and he's struggling to understand it. Okay? Now, regardless of that example, the example in the scripture, we'll go back to it in a second, regardless of that example, many are struggling to understand our faith. Many in this nation, whether they come from here or not, are struggling to understand the Christian faith and what it's all about. And we need to help. We really do. We really do. We need to help in whatever way we can explain this stuff because it isn't easy to understand anymore. People weren't raised Christians in this country. Christmas doesn't mean what it used to mean and therefore they're really struggling to understand what is it you actually believe. And it says here the official was reading from Isaiah 53. So I'm going to read some more, a bit of the previous part of Isaiah 53 because you can imagine he wasn't just reading one verse. He's probably reading a lot of it. But I want to read the, the, one of the pieces of Isaiah 53 we probably know the best from the prophets, and, and certainly at Christmas. Um, I'll put it all on the screen and I'll read it to you. Hang on, so let me... There we go, Isaiah 53. For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. This prophecy from hundreds of years before Jesus, hallelujah. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Like, hallelujah. I know when you hear that scripture, like me, you kind of get those, ha, 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 like, oh, just, just again. Like, God, that is prophesied. Prophesied. He's coming, and we know who he is. Right, I want you to do something that's going to make you feel, maybe some of you feel a little uncomfortable. Please, again, Go with me on this. Forget everything you know about Jesus. Forget every piece of Christian jargon you know. Every phrase you've heard. Imagery included. Just try and... All right, imagine I don't know that. I don't know... I haven't been brought up in this. I haven't sung those songs. Don't know that language. That's where most people are. That's where most people are. Now read it again. Look at it. For someone who doesn't know what you're talking about, they need someone to explain it to them. Crushed for my iniquities? Don't you know what iniquities means? Pierced for my... What do you mean pierced? For trap? I don't get this. Roots out of the dry ground. I don't understand it. So I'm just going to ignore it. And yet we'll read it out at Christmas like it's like the verse everyone's going to love to hear. Most people don't know what this means. We're part of this. God's, this scripture is true, hallelujah, praise Jesus. This is true, but we need to explain it to people. More and more and more and more, we're going to have to explain. Do you know who that is? 
That's Jesus. That piercing is the cross because that's what's that. you have to go through that stuff. You don't have to go super deep either. You just have to be able to say, that's Jesus. That was prophesied before he was born. This is a prophet saying he will come and someone will pay the price for our sin. Someone's going to actually die innocent. Take, you know, whatever, however you want to explain it, but you're going to have to explain it. We have to get used to it because people don't know anymore. That's how the vast majority of our nation will read that and go, I don't really get it. But hallelujah, praise God, he's asked us to be part of this. He says to Philip, go explain it to him. Why didn't God just go to the eunuch? Aha, I get it. He didn't, he went, Philip, go. And Philip says, what you're reading means this. We are invited into this story. That's such a privilege, such an honour. And we don't have to go super deep, super complex. Just be able to explain what it means, these things mean, what a hymn means. If someone's singing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, maybe that's a conversation you can have about what does that really mean? Who's a wretch? I'm a wretch. We're all wretches. Why are we all wretches? Well, because we all sin. I don't. Yes, we all do. Think about this. That's a conversation to explain the truth of the gospel to people who don't understand it any longer. Romans 10.14 reminds us, it says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how, will they, uh, how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or telling them, or other scriptures say explaining it to them? God's going to do the heavy lifting. Hallelujah, amen. All right, The Holy Spirit's going to do the heavy lifting for you. But we're invited in to explain this stuff. Be ready to share Jesus and be ready to tell your story. Before we get to application, I just want to kind of summarize, in a way, what I think we should hopefully have taken from that scripture. Three major points. Personal evangelism, one-to-one -one evangelism, is an absolutely critical part of God's plan to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I went to the Billy Graham crusade at Wembley, by the way. So that, there's, a, there's a famous one that he did. It was a massive crowd. Thousands went forward. I did not. Didn't work for me. Didn't, but it was part of a stepping stone. It was people talking to me about Jesus that brought me <coughs> to salvation, not Billy Graham. He was part of it, I'm sure. But I can't remember a thing he said. That wasn't the thing that God, but I was, praise God, hallelujah, thousands did. Great for them, but not for me. It's both and, yeah? Don't think that you bring your friends here and I preach the gospel out and that's how it's going to work. Each and every one of us should be able to tell that story. Number two, crossing cultural, political, racial status and financial divides is a critical part of God's plan to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Or it would never have reached these shores. It would never have got out of Jerusalem. It never have got out of the Jews in the first place. Never mind when it gets to the Gentiles and the Greeks, but then it would have just stayed there. But the church is scattered. The story before we read in Acts is the church gets scattered because of persecution, and then they have to move out. And that's one of those acts of God when you're thinking, that was a bit rough. Well, it worked. You know, the church would have, I think the reason you see that Acts is because the church would have stayed there. And God goes, well, it's, a, it's not nice, but through persecution you are going to run. And you're going to run to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And finally, we in, explain, we in explaining and sharing Jesus is a critical part of God's plan to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. All right, let me, uh, let me give us some application points, then we're going to pray. 
um, and I think these will come up probably in your midweek group as well. Just five things to think about as we come into this. Give an invitation, sit down together, share Jesus, share your story, grow spiritually. Some of this I've already said, but let me just kind of use this as an application point. Give an invitation means we are encouraging us to take opportunities, look for opportunities to reach out to someone outside of your normal comfort zone. Don't just go randomly trying to find someone. Pray, God, take me out of my comfort zone. But I might get used to sharing the gospel in all and any circumstances. Or invite someone in. You're thinking, well, that's someone I feel God's put in my heart, but it's awkward. I have a neighbor. We have a neighbor. My wife and daughter are laughing because I know if I invite them in my house, I'm going to get lectured on everything. Like, he'll look at something and go, I wouldn't do it that way. And he will talk for about seven hours solid. And he's someone I'm thinking, oh, but, but he's, still, he's been on my heart for years. So make an invitation to those that might take you outside of your comfort zone. He's also from another country. He's from a different religion. There's lots of reasons why I say, well, he's not the one. But I feel like he probably is. Check in on me soon. Sit down together, which means prepare to spend real time. You know, at a, a party or a social setting, you can stand and chat to people for ages, even here afterwards for coffee. But if you go, should we sit down? There's a whole different context of what's happening. Now we're really talking. Now we're really sharing. So be prepared to sit down with people. Make time. Don't stay on the superficial. Make time to spend with people in real conversation. Share Jesus. It means that like Philip, this isn't, a, this isn't a theological debate, biblical exposition sharing. This is just, this is who Jesus is to me. And the best thing about that, and I think you started to share some of your stories already in the group this week, is we've all got such a different story. It's so radically different. My brother and my, uh, myself came to Jesus at the same time in our lives. I was about 21, 22, and he's 26, 27. He's much older than me, I keep reminding him. Um, but he was healed in a service, like bang, like just healed. And that was it, he was in. I was like, you? You're the roughest bloke I know. I'm scared of you and you're my own brother. And you get saved. And then months, months, months later, I'm just speaking to people thinking, Jesus is Lord, isn't he? There's no moment like, you know, just a conversation. Those stories are very different. They both have impact. They both have power. So share Jesus. Share your story. Grow spiritually means pray about these things. Seek the Spirit's power for the boldness and the courage to set yourself in these situations, to take every opportunity that God gives you to witness. Pray for that. It will help you grow spiritually, help you be bolder and stronger if you pray. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you and me to pray this week, Father, just give me a divine opportunity this week that's, that really I will follow through. Don't say, I promise. Just, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. I will follow through and, and see what happens because I've done that before and it's been like, oh, oh, and then that happened. So let's be praying. Let's grow spiritually around this as well and know that when we have those opportunities, the Spirit is doing the heavy lifting always. I'm here because someone was praying for me. I'm here because people spoke to me. I'm not here because of Billy Graham. Great though he was. So someone said to me after the event last week at the McCure Hotel, and I was so pleased that many of us made it, and a lot of people were sick, so I was really pleased. We were 70-odd plus in the room, similar to this. And someone said to me afterwards, uh, um, was I disappointed that only a few Afghan men came? It was about three, four at one time. A bunch of kids with the other kids. And I just said, no, no, not at all. It's kind of what I, I was quite emphatic. No, two reasons. Firstly, we're planting a seed there. 
And, and I think we have to. I'd say what I said at the beginning. Just remember where we were. Christian church sitting in the middle of a community of Afghans praising Jesus and welcomed. Some men did come, which was fantastic. Um, the night before, I was there with Jerry, Sue, and I can't remember who else came with me. But we, we were, oh, Brian. And we were loading things out of the car. We had to take this, by the way, most of this, to another place. So we had a mini bus full of stuff. And we drive to the McCure. We start unloading. And a group of Afghan men come out and say, we, we help, we help. And I was like, of course, yeah. Take. And they went upstairs and told them, we're all helping Andy. And, and brought all our stuff up. And they said, what's this for? And it's like, well, it's for church. Church. And then the whole conversation starts. So that wasn't the Sunday morning. That was the Saturday night. We had a whole conversation. We said, do you want to come? They said, yeah, yeah, we'll come. And some did. And I'll keep making those invites again. But there's another reason. One man stayed throughout. His name's Abu Bakr. We know him quite well. He stayed throughout the whole service. He took a New Testament at the end. If everything we're doing, everything we're doing saves that young man, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It reminded me of leaving the 99 to get the one. You're, you're 99. He's one. You know, we, we're okay, yeah? Let's get this guy saved for Jesus. It was all worth it, but just him alone. And I pray there will be more. Because remember, you, you as a person, as an individual, as a single human being, are saved. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. You're going to live in eternity. You alone You've won. You're not part of a batch-saving mechanism. You're not here because your family got you saved. You're here because you accepted Jesus and you are saved from your sin for all eternity. You're saved. One. It's your name. You're just one. And I will do it all for another one and another one and another one, no matter how awkward it might be. So let's pray that God uses each and every one of us in someone's journey to Christ. And we'll seek each and every opportunity to step outside of any comfort zone we have or bubble if he calls us to. Let's enjoy the fellowships we have. Enjoy the friendships we're building. Enjoy those connected groups we're in. Enjoy them, but say, this isn't where I want to stay. I want to go wherever you lead me to. Let's pray that happens. But some of us, that's going to be unnerving, difficult, uncomfortable. Some of us are even afraid. Some of us don't know what to say. Some are thinking, I could think of nothing worse than you forcing me into that situation. God, it's not forcing you. He's calling you. Some of you are thinking, who, where, how? Let's pray about that. We're going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it a little bit now, but I want to give you the opportunity. There's a prayer team here. They'll pray with you too. If you're saying, I have a heart for this, I feel a pull for this, but I don't know what's going to happen, you're just like those guys who Jesus spoke to as he left. Go do it. Okay. You, something needs to happen. Hallelujah, it does. The Holy Spirit comes and bang. But let's pray into that. But can I implore you, don't, don't just say, oh, well, that's meeting over and I'm done. If you, if you know you need prayer for more, than, for more of this, then please do speak to the prayer ministry team. Uh, and they'll find somewhere quiet to take you because it gets quite loud in here if you want to. Let me, let me do a quick prayer for us as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, for the scripture, for what it shows us, Father, for the depth of it, but also this invitation to join you in your gospel mission. That you've chosen us to be able to explain and give an account for the faith we hold. You've shown us in Philip, who is someone who we don't know anything about, except he was someone who served tables, that he was an amazing person that got called Philip the Evangelist. 
I pray without, without ego or status. Everyone wants to put the, the evangelist after our name. Every one of us thinks that could be me and I want to be that. And if, it, if it's for one person and it's part of their journey to you, then, then we will take it. Show us and teach us how to step across all and any boundaries. Let us not see these differences between us culturally, racially, through gender, through status, through finance, all these things that make us feel like, well, I'm different from them. Father, would you remove that for the sake of the gospel that we might save some? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.